be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 Did I do good? Amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to be looking at perhaps the most difficult words in the Lord's Prayer. But before we get to those difficult words, I want to tell you a story about a difficult time in one of our members' lives recently. Some of you know Miss Jenny McCullough. Um, usually she sits right over here. Unfortunately, she can't be with us today. She is 95 years old, and um, she's largely these days confined to a wheelchair and has had many, many health struggles over the years. Um, but about a month ago, I got a phone call that she had been admitted to Piedmont Fayette Hospital after a stroke. So I went over to the hospital to be with her family there, her daughters, Carol, Jean, and Joyce. And when we got there, we found that she, she, couldn't, she couldn't articulate any words. She couldn't string together any sentences, and, and so we talked with her. She could understand us, and she was clearly very frustrated that she couldn't do this. And we prayed with her, and then, then I left. And you know, it's, it's one of those things, being 95 years old, you, you don't know what the future holds or, or how things will, will turn out, or really if she'd ever be able to talk again. And um, That night, her daughters were with her, and they did one of the things they, they did every night growing up as a family together. Every night, Jenny would lead the family in prayer. And they would say the Lord's Prayer together. And so that night in the hospital room, her daughters gathered around her and they began praying for her and over her. And they ended it with the Lord's Prayer. And as they were saying the Lord's Prayer, she began to speak it out loud. And then after that, she, she couldn't say any words still on command. She couldn't bring them to mind. She couldn't connect sentences together. And, and thankfully now through therapy, She's able to, but that night they saw how deep this prayer was inside of her. It was so deep inside of her that in that moment, it just came out of her. And that's what I think Jesus wants for each of us. He wants this prayer to be deep inside of us. So that when we pray, it's our natural pattern of prayer. He wants it to be deep inside of us so that it won't, we don't just pray it in church or at home at night, but we live it out in our lives every day. He wants it to be so deep inside of us that it is like an anchor in the midst of difficult storms and situations in life that connects us to our Heavenly Father. Because that's really what prayer is all about. And I hope you've been seeing in this series that Jesus, when he teaches us this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and how to pray, he's not, he's not trying to make it complicated. He's not trying to say we have to use these exact fancy words. He's trying to reveal to us how we can talk with our Heavenly Father who wants a living and a growing relationship with every single one of us. And that's why we're spending so many weeks in this prayer. And so this morning, we're gonna continue in it. And as we've done each week, as we begin it together, I'd love for us to say it out loud together as we continue to kind of let it rest deep in our hearts and our souls. And so we'll put the words up here for us and let's say it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, one of the reasons why these are perhaps the most difficult words in the Lord's Prayer is because if you've ever been in a group and you've prayed this line out loud together, a lot of times you'll find that people start saying it and praying it differently, right? I mean, if anybody here learn it growing up and do they pray it, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors? So yeah, anybody learn it that way when they were growing up? Okay, others of you, maybe when you pray it on your own, you pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Anybody kind of learn it like that and pray it like that? And then how many of you know it the proper way? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? The Methodist way. Um, Actually, there's not a right way or wrong way. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But if you're at a funeral or you're in a crowd and like they're leading it out loud, it can get awkward and difficult. But that's not really why this is the most difficult to pray. I think this is the most difficult to pray because this is the line in the prayer that really deals with relationships, And relationships are difficult, and relationships are oftentimes messy. And this line is a line about our relationship with God and our relationship with other people in this world. And Jesus knew that this part of the prayer was difficult. It was so difficult that this is the only line in the prayer that he goes on to explain a little bit further. Everything else, he just teaches it and he leaves it as be. But this, in Matthew's gospel, in verses 14 and 15, he goes on to explain it a little bit more. And so I'm gonna read out the Lord's Prayer there where he's teaching his disciples. He tells them, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now here, notice, he gives some commentary on the line we're talking about today. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Those are difficult words from Jesus. Those are difficult words, and as we dive deeper into them, this morning, I want to try to make the sermon simple. So what we're going to do is we're going, to, we're going to talk about the first half of this line of the prayer, our relationship with God, and then we're going to dive into the second half of the prayer, our relationship with others. And so here we see in this first part of the line, forgive us our trespasses. That's what we're, we're saying to God. And here, Jesus is implying that we are people who are in need of forgiveness. We are people who are in need of forgiveness from God, and he he asks us to pray this regularly. So this clearly isn't just a one-time prayer we pray at summer camp or at a revival or on a Sunday morning in church. No, he says this is something you need to pray regularly in your life. Heavenly Father, forgive us of our trespasses. And this part of the prayer is difficult for a, a couple of different reasons. And for some people, this part of the prayer is difficult because of the implications that Jesus gives here. Because here he's implying, 
he's assuming, maybe you could just say he's kind of stating that you and I are sinners who are in need of forgiveness. And now for you, that might seem pretty straightforward and that might be kind of how you you view the world. But for a lot of people, this isn't necessarily a given, especially in our society today. I mean, now, you know, just in our culture and the news, other things, you, you hear less and less about sin and people using the language of sin, right? Instead, you hear more about mistakes, you know, dysfunctions, I need an adjustment, I messed up. And, and, you know, the idea of coming before God and before somebody else and saying, I have sinned against you. I mean, that sounds kind of strong, right? Sounds kind of strong. It's a little bit easier to say, you know what? I've messed up. You know, I made, I, I made a mistake again. You know, I'm, I'm, I did something that I need to do different or better in the future, right? It kind of eases it a little bit. We don't often like to think of ourselves as sinners. And so when we come to this line of the prayer, it's tempting to just kind of get to it and say, you know what, I understand, you know, the people I see on the news and, and the violence and the racism and the other isms, all these, this stuff and, and the hatred, all the, you know, I, I see that those people are sinners and they need to ask for forgiveness. But, you know, the stuff that I do, I, you know, it just kind of seems a little bit harsh from Jesus to, to say we're sinners in need of forgiveness. But as soon as we're tempted to start thinking that way, Jesus, he, he just tells us to stop. He tells us to stop and he points us to the truth that you and I have sinned against God and against other people. We are people in need of forgiveness. And now the three different words that, that people kind of use in this prayer help point to the different ways that we've sinned and why we're in need of forgiveness. And so you have um, the way that it's, that's put in Matthew's gospel where Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The translation from the Greek there, that, that is the most accurate version. The word debts is the word that Jesus uses there. And so if you pray that, you can feel self-justified and you can feel excited about that. That's the word he uses here. But then... It gets confusing because in Luke's gospel, when Luke records the Lord's Prayer, he records Jesus saying, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. But then what's interesting in verse 14, when Jesus is giving further commentary about our sins or about our debts, he doesn't use that same word debts. Instead, he switches it up. And there he says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive those who trespass. Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their trespasses, neither will he forgive your trespasses. So there Jesus uses the word trespasses. So the reason for the confusion is because Jesus uses all three different words. And so it's okay whatever word you use as well in the prayer. But all three of these different words are pointing us to the same thing. But they're all pointing us in a slightly different way. Because if you think about debts, you think about owing somebody something. You're indebted to them, when we think about our relationship with God, our creator who, who gives us daily bread and every good gift in our lives, I mean, he is worthy of honor and glory and praise. And yet, we don't give that to him. So we owe him those things. He is our creator and our sustainer. We owe him obedience, but we don't, we don't give him obedience. And so we owe him a debt of obedience. And you think about trespasses. I don't know about you, 
but growing up around here, you know, you think of a no trespassing sign, right? And whenever you see a no trespassing sign, what do you want to do? You want to see what's over there, right? It's probably something good, you know, good hunting land or something, right? You're like, why is there a no trespassing sign? What are they keeping me from? And so we see this in the prayer. Forgive us our trespasses for crossing these boundaries that we weren't meant to cross. And if you think about the garden and Adam and Eve, what did God say? He said, hey, don't eat from this tree. Don't trespass. And what they say, they say, oh, you know, that can't be that serious. And so they trespassed. And ever since then, we've been doing the same thing. God has showed us how to live. He said, look, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Walk on this path. And what do we do? We say, you know, I think there's stuff better on the side. So we veer off and we, we think something good's over here, that God is keeping something from us. And when we veer off the path, what happens? We get hurt and we hurt other people. We've trespassed. And then you have the word sin. And the Greek word behind the word sin is, is an ancient athletic term that was also used to describe when an arrow was shot at a target and it fell short. So when somebody would shoot an arrow, it would fall short. In a sense, it, it, it was sinning. It was falling short of its intended target. And I think if we look at our lives, we know that we've all fallen short of God's standards and God's ideal for each of us. I mean, we fall short of the standards we set for ourselves, much less the standards that God gives us. And so we see that we're indebted to God, that we, we've trespassed against God, that we've sinned against him. We are people in need of forgiveness. And for some people, that's kind of hard to really take in, to really settle in. But for other people, that's not, that's not what's difficult about this prayer. Others of you in here, look, you know you've sinned. You know you've messed up. You think about that stuff all the time. That's not your problem. Your problem is the other assumption, the other implication that Jesus gives here, and that is that, yes, we're sinners, but yes, through Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven. And that's difficult for you because you think, God couldn't forgive me. Kyle Eidelman, in his study, my small group did Grace is Greater. He, he says a lot of us, but we think, God can't forgive me, not after what I've done, not after what my life has become. We think, God, you can't forgive me after what I've done, after the years of addiction, years of hurting other people, after the deception, after the lies, after the infidelity, after the harm I've caused other people. God, you couldn't forgive me for that. Nobody could ever forgive me for that. God, you couldn't forgive me for what my life has become, this train wreck. This life of isolation I now live because people don't want to be around me and I don't want to hurt other people. We think, God, you, you can't forgive me after what I've done and after what my life has become. What some of us try to do is we try to exclude ourselves and disqualify ourselves from God's grace and for God's forgiveness. But what's interesting about that is that only people who see that they're in need of forgiveness and really see the weight and the depth of their sin, only those people can receive God's forgiveness. What we do is we try to disqualify ourselves and say, God, you know what? I, I haven't earned forgiveness for anything I've done. I haven't deserved your forgiveness. My life isn't put together enough. I don't have the words to say. I don't even have all the proper apologies to put together 
But the good news of the gospel is that you can never earn your forgiveness. You haven't deserved your forgiveness. The good news of the gospel is that it is a free gift given to you through Jesus Christ. The good news is that no matter what you've done, no matter what your life has become, God wants to forgive you. Forgiveness is possible, and it's not only possible, it's his preferred future for your life. And this forgiveness, it wasn't easy. It wasn't cheap. It cost Jesus his life on the cross. It was his blood shed for you. Paul puts it this way in Colossians chapter 2. He says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. You see, Jesus paid the debt that you and I owed to God. Jesus never trespassed. He never strayed from the path that God laid out for him. No, in the midst of our disobedience, he was the one who lived fully obedient to God. Jesus didn't ever sin. He lived a life of no sin, and upon the cross, he took the punishment for our sin, the consequences of our sin upon himself so that we could be forgiven and set free. He did all of this because of his great love for you. And it's through faith in him. It's through prayer. It's through coming before God and just being honest about our sin and where we are and honest about who we want to become by his own power. It's through those things that his forgiveness is able to come to us and renew us. And I love the way the psalmist puts it in Psalm 103 about how our sin is treated. It says this, God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Isn't that beautiful? That is the beautiful news that Jesus is communicating to us in this prayer. That through him, we can have forgiveness. We can look at ourselves and say that we are sinners in need of God's grace, in need of his forgiveness. And we can receive that through him. And I know there's some of you in here, maybe, maybe this is new for you. And you've never heard that, that simple message. You've, you've never heard that you can be forgiven simply by trusting in the work that Jesus has done for you and by praying that God can forgive you through that. And if that's you, we're gonna have a chance of prayer at the end of the service. And I hope that you will experience that forgiveness today because it's like a wall coming down. It's like a weight being lifted from you. It's like a father running out of the house to greet a child who's been away for a long time. That's what God wants to give to you. But even if you've prayed this at some point, I want you to see this is an ongoing thing 
that Jesus wants us to pray. As we're stumbling through life, becoming the people that he wants us to be, conformed to his image, he asks us to ask for forgiveness on a regular basis. And 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is good news. That's good news, but, but sometimes it's difficult to really believe that grace is greater than our sin. But it's true. And so the first part can be difficult, but we see that there's good news there. And then we get to the second part of the prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now this part is difficult because forgiveness is difficult. And it's difficult because Jesus is clearly saying here that God's forgiveness and our forgiveness to other people are connected. And if you think about your life and all the ways that people have sinned against you, I mean, you can just think about all the instances and you can see all that stuff adds up. And what I want you to do is I want you to think about all those times people have sinned against you, given you offense. I want you to think about those as stones that, that you've been handed in life. You didn't ask for them, but they're with you. And some of them, some of them are small. You know, maybe it's just somebody swerving you in traffic and kind of cutting you off and, and doing something dumb, right? And you're like, okay, you know what? That was wrong, but, uh, you know, I'll get over it. You know, maybe it was a friend. They said they were gonna, they said they were gonna do something. They were gonna show up and they didn't. And you think, okay, you know what? But I, I love them. I can, I, can, I, I can deal with that. You know, we have the small things, but then we have, we have bigger things. You know, you might've been in a relationship and then somebody broke it off in a, in, a, in a bad way and then they just ghosted you. They never talked to you again. I mean, you know, you have bigger things in your life. People gossiping about you, maybe slandering your name. The things get bigger. I mean, you have, you have abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, violence. I mean, we have all of these things we haven't asked for. We don't want them, but we find ourselves with these things in our lives. They've been handed to us, and so we carry them around with us. And Kyle Eidelman, in his study, I love what he says. He says, a lot of us deal with these things in kind of common ways, and one of the ways we deal with them is we, we just repress these things, and we act like we don't have them. And so, you know, instead of having this on the front, we, we, we put this on our back. And we just kind of go through life and we, we try to act like everything's okay and, and we try not to notice and we don't feel them. We just, we just say, I'm gonna push it down and not think about it. Every once in a while, you know, we notice it's there, but we, we kind of get used to living with all of this stuff and it just becomes the new normal. That's how, how some of us deal with these things. Others of us, we don't repress them, we rehearse them. So what we do is we 
we just go through regularly, right? And this isn't like a healthy thing, like, hey, we're going through counseling and we need to look back so that we can be healed and be whole. No, no, this, this is looking through them, taking them out and replaying them over and over again like it's, like it's DVR. And we think about the situation, we think about what happened, what role we played, we think about that person and what they've done to us, and we just keep going over it over and over and over again in our minds. Others of us, we, we save these and we keep them with us because we want revenge. We want revenge. We've been hurt, and we want to hurt other people. We've been broken. So we keep these things with us because we think other people need to be broken as well. And so we carry these things throughout our lives. And as you can see, I mean, they begin to weigh us down. They begin to weigh us down. They begin to affect us. And we think, you know what, I can't take this off because if I take this off, then I'm excusing inexcusable behavior. I can't take this off because if I do, maybe I'm gonna be more vulnerable in the future. I'll take this off when I finally get a good enough apology or an apology at all. And so we keep carrying these things. But what, what Jesus is pointing out to us here is that when we are carrying these things in our lives, what happens is they actually get in the way of our relationships with other people. Not only with the person who, who did the offense, who sinned against us, but they also get in the way of our relationship with God. So we have to ask ourselves, I mean, is this really the best way to deal with these things? Is this what Jesus wants for us? I think we can all see, no, no, he doesn't want that for us. He doesn't want us to seek revenge. He doesn't want us to repress these things and act like they never happened. No, he wants us to release them. He wants us to set them down at the foot of the cross. Now, this isn't easy. It's not usually quick. It's not as simple as this illustration up here. And if you've ever been really hurt by somebody, you know that. This is difficult work, but it's work that Jesus calls us to do, to release these things, to forgive other people as we've been forgiven by God, to forgive other people with the same measure of forgiveness that God has shown to us. And if you think about the structure of the prayer here, the structure of the prayer, it starts with asking forgiveness from God and receiving that grace into our lives. And then it moves into sharing that grace and that forgiveness with other people. And this logic here, I think, is right because if we try to just release these things on our own and just try to set them down, I mean, you'll find it's kind of crazy and it's almost impossible and people will be saying, why are you doing that? Because without God at work in our lives, that is extremely hard to do. It's extremely hard to forgive other people for those offenses. But what God wants us to do is he wants us to begin with him. 
and the cross, he wants us to see the debt that we've been forgiven. He wants us to see that he has forgiven the inexcusable in us and therefore we can forgive the inexcusable in others. Not excuse it, but forgive it. He's pointing us to this truth that that grace wants to flow in us and then through us to other people. That's difficult. That's difficult stuff, but it's what Jesus is calling us to do here. But, but as you see, when, when you're able to see the grace that God has shown you and extend that grace to other people, you see that when you do that, a weight is lifted off your shoulders. You become a changed person. Here, we see this in the prayer because this takes a lot of prayer for this to take place. It takes a lot of prayer, but it will improve and change your life for the better because a lot of us are living with these weights that we weren't meant to carry. And so Jesus points us to the cross and to the burdens he bore for us and he invites us to lay these burdens, these offenses at the foot of the cross. And as we do, we're not only changed, but the world begins to change as they see Jesus on full display. I once heard a preacher say that we're never more like Jesus than when we're forgiving. And that's what Jesus calls us to here in this prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That was part of the closing prayers June 2015 that Myra Thompson offered at her church at the end of a Bible study she was leading. She had led the Bible study and that night she had welcomed in a visitor to the study. He looked different than them. His name was Dylan. On that hot night in Charleston, she invited him into the study, and as they were wrapping it up in prayer, he pulled a gun out. Many of you know the story. He, he killed nine people that night at Emmanuel African American African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston. Myra's husband heard the news, Anthony, and, and he, he rushed to the church after he heard of the incident, and he fell on the pavement weeping as he learned that his wife had been killed. The police detained Dylan, interrogated him. He showed no remorse. He continued to yell racist things. And then about 48 hours later, there was a bond hearing for him. And he was on video, and the judge had invited the the victim's family members to be present for it. And he asked them, the judge asked him if any of them wanted to speak. And Anthony wasn't planning on speaking, but he said he felt led by God in that moment to speak. And these were his words. He said, Dylan, I forgive you. And my family forgives you. 
but we would like for you to take this opportunity to repent. Repent, confess, and give your life to the one who matters the most, Jesus Christ, so that he can change it and change your attitude. And when people saw these words on the news and heard these, these families forgiving him, I mean, there was shock. I mean, at a level there was horror that these people would, would, would do that that quickly. They weren't used to seeing this kind of thing in the world. And when Anthony was asked about it, he went on to explain this. He said, Scripture tells me that I am a sinner forgiven by Christ and saved by grace. Therefore, I am obliged to forgive others who hurt me. And now Anthony and the other families, they're pursuing justice in this case. Forgiveness doesn't mean that the justice isn't pursued. They're continuing to pray for Dylan that one day God might change his heart. But they're not letting their forgiveness be contingent upon that. They're continuing every single day with their words and their act of forgiveness to bear witness to our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has forgiven us and who calls us to forgive other people. My hope and prayer is that we would be people like Anthony and others who are part of that church who've been so moved by grace and the forgiveness shown to them that they're able to show it to other people. And so let's pray and ask God to make it so. Heavenly Father, it's so easy to look at other people's sins, other things people have done, and to think that we're not in need of forgiveness. But God, we know that we've sinned against you with the things that we've done, with the things that we've left undone. God, we've sinned against other people. God, there are things that we have done in this room that we have never spoken to another person out loud. And God, we come before you today open-handed with our hearts open and we say, here are these offenses. God, we want to hand them over to you so that you can fill our hearts with forgiveness, so that you can transform our lives. And God, we're asking that as you transform us, that your grace would flow through us to other people. God, there are so many burdens in this room, things that that have been done to us that none of us want to even speak or think about. And God, we ask for your help in forgiving other people. And God, we recognize that that forgiveness seems impossible on our own, God, but we know that all things are possible with you. So we pray that, that your spirit would give us strength today. Your spirit would overwhelm us with your love and with your grace you enable us to extend that to other people. And 
right now. We're not going to do anything fancy, but Jody's going to keep playing on the keys, and we just want to give you a little space where you can just spend some moments in quiet prayer, honestly coming before God. He knows your heart. He just wants to hear it from you. And if you've never asked God for forgiveness before, all you have to do is just come before him and be honest about the things you've done. Tell him specifically. And then believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and that through him, he can forgive you and he does forgive you now. And if you're having trouble forgiving somebody in your life, if there's been a specific situation that's come to mind in here, a specific person, pray for them by name and say, God, I don't have it in me to forgive this person. I can't do it on my own. Only you working in me and through me can I do this and ask him for that strength. So we want to give you just a few moments now to pray, to talk with God.